You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, last 24 hours, the Bucks have two wins. They crushed two teams. Giannis barely needed to play. And um, the Milwaukee Bucks are also back in first place because the Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors tonight. So the Bucks... Uh, move percentage points back ahead of the Raptors in the East and overall in the league. So um, yeah, that was a a really fun game in Memphis. It had the possibility of being a really like annoying grading game, which it was for about um, two plus quarters. Uh, But then man, what a weird second half Giannis comes out looking fired up to start the second, the third quarter, then picks up a couple of cheap fouls goes to the bench with four fouls and then DJ Wilson and Eric Bledsoe just go like supernova <laughs> and <laughs> completely blow the game wide open. Giannis comes back, start the fourth quarter, does some stuff and kind of reiterates that they don't have anybody who can guard him. Uh, and then just to make it even weirder, the Bucks scrubs get completely annihilated to make the box score look as though it was actually a competitive game, which it was for two quarters, but um, yeah, what a, what a, a really good win, um, kind of a fun game that, again, could have been not fun at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bucks, Bucks just keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, the, so the Bucks are, let's see, down 59-58, I believe, yep. there in the third quarter. Giannis comes out with his fourth foul, 8.07 left in the third quarter. Uh, Bledsoe goes on a 7-0 run. The... And I mean, Bledsoe literally goes on a 7-0 run. He gets two free throws. He gets a three. He gets another bucket in between. I think he had one steal for sure, maybe two. Uh, so he goes on his own mini run. It was just, you know, it was one of those spots. I put it in my mailbag the other week at The Athletic. And, you know, there was this quote after, man, I'm trying to think which game it was. But, you know, one of the games where Bledsoe kind of just takes over and, and Bud had this quote that, you know, I thought was great where he's just like, you know, when Eric is really good, we're really good. Like That's just, that's how it is. And, you know, I think that that kind of defines this team in many ways. Like I think um, for as, as slumpy as Middleton was in December and as much as people complain about that, like he's probably never going to be, out of double digits. I think he's been in double digits every game this season. Maybe recently when he hasn't played much, he slipped out, but I think he's been in double digits. He's probably going to have a couple assists, some rebounds. Uh, Giannis is always going to have probably 20, 
probably 10. Like that's always going to be there. Brogdon's always going to add a couple. Lopez probably going to have a couple threes. Like there's always to me, like if there is one kind of volatile character uh, in, in the starting lineup, um, I think it, I think it's Budso in many ways. And, you know, we talked at the start of the year about how, you know, when he's great defensively, like it just gets everything going. And, you know, there was a couple weeks where it just didn't feel like he was bringing it maybe quite the same way that he was there. Obviously he's been kind of mired in that shooting slump and, you know, just recently it just feels like he's been, he's been reinvigorated and he's just back to, to being that guy and just going on those kind of solo runs where he just decides, screw this. I'm, I'm going to go get a, a 10 point flip here. Like I, I thought he did it in that Miami game. You know, that was one of the questions I had asked, but after the game I was like, you know, it just felt like Bledsoe kind of decided to take over there in the first quarter at the end of the first quarter. And that's exactly what he did against the heat. And, you know, I thought it was the same thing tonight where it was just like third quarter came around and Bledsoe just kind of decided like, all right, you guys want to play physical defensively. You guys want to be aggressive. Like, you know, who's really good at being physical and aggressive and playing at a fast pace. Me, I, I am, and I'm going to take over this game and just go out there and win it. And in the process, he managed to get DJ Wilson going as well. Uh, so it went from like an Eric Bledsoe run where he goes seven all by himself. Uh, I think he adds a hockey assist. I think he adds another bucket. Uh, and all of a sudden it's a 12 Oh run. And then, and the Grizzlies score a little bit, but then all of a sudden DJ's hot and DJ is catching a ball on the baseline from Chris Middleton, spinning, uh, stepping back and hitting threes. Like it, there was there was two separate times in that third quarter where I was like, okay, Bledsoe's really feeling himself. And then a couple minutes later, it's like, okay, DJ Wilson is really feeling himself because it was it was just kind of wild. And then I thought appropriately, they kind of capped it with a Bledsoe to DJ alley-oop to finally get another timeout from the Grizzlies. And by the time it was all over, they had gone to 59-58 with 8.07 left in the third quarter to 87-68 with 139 left in the third quarter, all of it without Giannis. Yeah, and that lead would continue to expand to the point of, uh, I think it was 108-77 early in the fourth quarter. Um, Giannis just kind of, I mean, it was just like a kind of kid, you know, like playing with a little toy, um, getting another six points right at the start of the uh, fourth quarter. Blows it out to 108-77. Giannis goes to the bench uh, shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, then it becomes officially garbage time. But... Um, <laughs> we saw, we saw, uh, the Thon maker, Jason Smith, uh, front court, which, uh, yeah, worked out about as well as you might've expected. Um, and, uh, DJ Wilson played a little bit more, but then, uh, once again was hashtag too good for garbage time as, uh, as the bucks get outscored that 23 to four, 23 to th- no, what was it? 24 to three or something like that um, to, yeah, to end the so. game. So, um, so yeah, it should have been another like 30 point um, just annihilation, but uh, the, the bucks uh, bench unit. Well, thankfully the cleaning the glass stats will still reflect uh, the full <laughs> uh, def- uh, detonation of the bucks uh, and what they pulled off because um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, Memphis has been struggling a lot. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the bucks actually got off to a very good start. They led by what well, like, 
12 or 14 points in mm-hmm. the first quarter at one point. 14. Um, just, yeah, just felt like the Grizzlies, like, you know, kind of that half court style just felt very sluggish, you know, I mean, Gasol, like just obviously he's still a good player. I think he's, I mean, I haven't watched been watching the Grizzlies, but I think, I think Zach Lowe might've might've mentioned that he's been not great of, of late um, has uh, his downturn has coincided with some struggles by the, uh, by by the Grizzlies overall, not surprising, and just just felt like there just wasn't a lot of energy, and and then they got kind of got back in the game with their second unit, which um you know as we were kind of DMing during the game, um, wisely took the strategy of just kind of fouling the Bucks full court, yep. <laughs> like Javon Carter, who has a, how does you know, he get such a good whistle? He's a rookie. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of like puts his hands all over guys all full court, and just you know like the whole thing, like well they can't call fouls every play, right? Um, and Jamichael Green gave them a nice shot. Jamichael Green had like his personal highlight reel in the first quarter uh, with a huge dunk on Ursan, who, let's be honest, the way Ursan flops, he deserves to get uh, posted <laughs> uh, a bit. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of had that feeling. Like neither team was making, I think, um, were the Bucks one out of 10 from three to start, something like that. I mean, it, it felt like both teams were just sort of, you know, felt like both teams were on a back-to-back. You know, we knew the Bucks mm-hmm. were. Um, but just it, it felt like one of those games after the quick start, I was like, oh, God, is this going to turn into a rock fight? And, um, you know, Giannis has a good finish to uh, to the first half. Um, I think he got a couple three-point plays there late, gives the Bucks that 50-45 lead, and you felt like, okay, you know, kind of out of the out of the slog a little bit, and, and then he has a nice start to the third quarter as well. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, then the Grizzlies just hit a couple threes, and it's like, oh, God, is this going to be, you know, one of these annoying games and um as as you may recall the grizzlies handed the bucks their first uh, home loss this year which uh of course was a very annoying <laughs> loss um and uh but as we know the bucks vengeance tour um they don't lose the same team twice so um i guess you know they they kind of realized that in the third quarter there and um yeah blood so with that that 7-0 run that you mentioned um you know he amped it up he was kind of everywhere defensively and uh man Wilson, I mean, you, you can't say enough about him. I mean, you know, it, it's just so fun to see him continuing to play with this kind of energy. And, um, you know, we mentioned it last game. It was great to see him hit a couple threes last game. And, you know, we know he has offensive skill. And so if he can kind of unlock that more consistently, in addition to kind of playing with this level of defensive energy and effort, um, hashtag Jason Kidd phrases, um, then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a really – I mean, he's a really valuable piece to to bring off the bench. I mean, it's it's crazy. To be I mean, clear, just the defense alone is valuable. Like yeah, if he would just yeah. be j- just the defensive portion of it, like with as well as he moves his feet, like cross positional kind of stuff, like just that would be valuable. But like if he adds the offense, like you said, like that, then it's like really truly valuable stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's been remarkable how little they have, <laughs> how little they've lost when Giannis goes to the bench of late, and obviously DJ Wilson cannot do what Giannis does on both ends, but um, especially defensively, I mean, he can you know basically make sure that there's not not much drop off. Um, he's uh, he's been really um, you know really good as as kind of just a steady man guy and help guy, and um, he had a great block on on uh, Marcus Gasol at the rim. Not as good as Giannis's yeah. uh, block on Marcus at the rim. I mean, that, <laughs> that was a really fun uh, little stretch where uh, Giannis just yammed all over Marcus Um Basically, one of those plays that you know we talked about yesterday that you pointed out. I mean, teams have just been getting good at just basically clawing at Giannis's arms before he's able to load up and kind of 
you know, pivot his way to, uh, to a dunk, uh, in the restricted area. But, uh, tonight, um, he got a dunk early. I think he had what, like three, four dunks at least. Um, so got kind of out, out of his, uh, dunkless streak of yeah. three games. And, um, he, uh, he had a really great dunk on Gasol who I think realized that he wanted no part of that. And then on the other end, Gasol <laughs> sees a wide open lane with just Giannis there. And, um, basically, gets his best effort to go up and Giannis just meets him at the apex and just packs him, which was a pretty, pretty fun little sequence there on, on back-to-back possession. So, um, so yeah, we had Giannis highlights. We had Giannis stats for people like me, Giannis with, you know, 27 on 14 shots in <laughs> 22 minutes. So he plays 47 minutes in two games, uh, in 24 hours. I mean, that's kind of an ideal outcome when you kind of weigh, you know, winning and being able to conserve, you know, the energy of, uh, of your best players and, um, you know, again, I think, I mean, shit, think about last year on like a back-to-back Giannis would have had 47 minutes through the first quarter. Of the yeah, second game. yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, that's literally what it would have been. It's just, it's just kind of crazy to think that, uh, I don't know that we've seen the bucks put together a full, like every quarter is great performance. Um, you know, maybe they've been close a couple of times, but Man, like it, it is just kind of crazy how quickly they can just kind of do this. And, you know, like you think of tonight back to back playing a team like the Grizzlies, a team that can ugly it up, a team that's going to be really physical to start. And, you know, like it just felt like from the start, Giannis was like, screw this. Like, I'm going to set the tone. I can do this. Like, I'm going to let everyone know that. You know, we're going to play at our pace. Like, we're going to get it going. And, you know, the Grizzlies, I think, start the game one for seven. And then the Bucks get out on the run. And, you know, like, it was it was them kind of dictating, like, okay, we're going to be in this game. Like, we're not going to just let you dictate. And then, you know, like, the Grizzlies did kind of start to dictate. And then it was the same thing where Giannis just, like, kind of came out and said, like, you know what? Not happening. I'm going to start this third quarter. We're going to take control again. And even though he gets four fouls, like that just set the tone. And uh, all of his guys just kind of took it from him. We're just like, yeah, we got you. Like, we're, we're going to handle this. And, you know, to, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, tonight is, you know, another down night for the Bucks and their number two guy not being good enough. But, you know, I think it points to how ridiculous the idea of, you know, not having a true number two is. Well, shit, if, three, four, and five in the starting lineup are way better and perform really well. Maybe you don't need number two to be as good as your number one or as close to as good as your number one. Like, I just thought, you know, this was one of those nights where you don't even have like a great performance from anyone else in the starting lineup. Like Chris's 11 points on four for eight shooting blood. So despite taking over for that little while is still, you know, just 16 points on five of 13 shooting Brooke Lopez only hits one, three Malcolm Brogdon is three for nine, which is uncharacteristic. And, Oh, look at that. DJ Wilson came in 13 points, five of nine shooting three of five from three, two blocks, two assists. Oh, look at that. Sterling Brown, 11 points, seven rebounds, four assists in 28 minutes. Uh, oh, and a block and a steal as well. And you know, like you just, Look, oh, George Hill, too, nine points, three rebounds, two assists in 15 minutes. Like, you just go down the line, and I know depth doesn't mean quite as much in the playoffs because, you know, you, you shorten up those rotations. But um, I don't think anyone's going to be upset if, you know, shortening up your rotation to 
eight or nine means maybe Urson doesn't play quite as much because DJ Wilson is better, or maybe DJ Wilson doesn't play as much because Urson's better. And you're riding with George Hill and Sterling Brown as your guys off the bench. Like, I think everyone feels pretty good about that because those two guys have a level of toughness and, you know, defensive, whatever you want to say they are, um, where, you know, they can just kind of bring it and, and be great. And, I mean, this is this was a, a team victory, and I think a, a strong outing for you know the idea that you, sometimes you you can have the the chemistry go the right way and have a lot of guys on your team that just contribute two through seven or two through eight. Like that, that can just be something that happens, and especially in the regular season, that can be something that adds three or four wins to your total at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you can kind of pick out lots of guys tonight. Um, Sterling Brown, you know, yesterday, 13 points, six assists against the heat, three out of six threes tonight, 11.7 rebounds, four assists, a block, a steal, did have five turnovers. So got uh, maybe a little out of control at times, but hit another two out of three triples um, and uh, had his plus minus ruined by being a part of that, uh, the, the the fawn maker uh jason smith lineup late um so he was a minus four uh he was probably a plus you know, 20 something before that um so yeah i mean again you just uh you can kind of just go down the go down the list and find guys uh guys contributing um and and doing kind of meaningful things so um yeah i mean it's an interesting thesis i think you know before the warriors i think you know the bucks kind of construction probably wouldn't have seemed as inadequate from a star perspective you know like the warriors have kind of like ruined like everyone's perception of what what you need to to win a championship and and it's interesting right because it kind of was like the warriors you know escalated to having kind of four all-stars um you know to uh like you're like well you need at least three three stars three superstars or three stars to to win a championship and that was i think kind of like the idea and it was like well you know the Cavs at least had LeBron and Kyrie and Love, and they're the only ones that that beat them. Granted, pre KD, um, but the Bucks model. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I mean, it, it's definitely more of that kind of, you know, Dirk, maybe Dirk and Dirk Mavs model, um, where you have like the one transcendent superstar, and then a lot of like really yeah. good sort of, um, you know, maybe some fringe All Starish talent um, after that, um, and everybody just fits really well, and you know, able to both play, you know, play offense and defend at a really high level. Um, I thought, I thought it was interesting, you know, when we mentioned that open floor pod with Ben Golliver and, and Andrew Sharp, and, and I think, ben, I think it was Ben may have referenced that talent wise, the Bucks kind of maybe looked the most like some of the post Kyrie, like the post Kyrie Cavs team. Um, but I mean, that to me, that's really kind of underselling things. Cause it's like that Cavs team was like maybe the worst defensive team in the league. And so to compare, you know, a, you know, and, and Teron yeah. Lou, I, didn't consider a particularly good coach. Although, I mean, kind of maybe hard to say that of a guy who actually did win a title against, you know, the, the best, the team with the best record in NBA history. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to kind of just try to figure out where the bucks kind of fit in, uh, in kind of in the grand scheme of like contending teams. Um, because, uh, what podcast you know, was it? Was it, was it back in low or was it sharp and Golliver that brought up the old Duncan Spurs? Like not like, the old version, like the 98, 99, but like once Duncan was older, that version yeah, of the Spurs. I, like, I, I think it, I, I want to say it might've been Zach, but maybe it was Ben, ben or, or whatever. But, but I think it is a really good point. I think it was Zach because it is a good point that, 
you know, the team that won, that beat the Heat, really didn't have like a traditional like supernova star, um, mm-hmm. you know, because Duncan was still, you know, a really good, a really good like kind of, you know, general player and probably still a great like just overall team impact guy. You know, like he was probably yeah. still a top 20 impact guy, even if he was not, you know, prime Tim Duncan. Um, but, you know, I think is, and again, I, I believe it was Zach who pointed out, I remember what was said. I don't I, I think it was Zach, you know, pointed out like Manu was, was pretty old at that point. Tony Parker was obviously not, you know, like all-star level Tony Parker by any stretch. And Kawhi was still young Kawhi. I mean that, you know, Kawhi winning MVP of that finals had more to do with the fact that there wasn't anybody who was, you know, putting up huge numbers for, for the Spurs, they didn't want right? to give it to LeBron in a losing effort. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you look at his numbers; it's not like Kawhi. I mean, it was not this version of Kawhi that did that. He was no. not like an offensive focal. I think he averaged like thirteen or fourteen points, maybe, in that series. So, um, you know, he won because he was the guy who did a pretty obviously credible job defending LeBron, <laughs> and nobody else had huge numbers, right? So, um, but yeah, it's interesting because I mean, again, like kind of, you know, you, you hesitate to compare, you know, the Bucks to. Uh, you know, historically great Spurs team that pulled off one of the greatest finals that we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there, you know, we've, we talked about like precedents for young teams breaking through and how quickly you can do that um, in terms of the play, playoff victories. Uh, but I think it is interesting to kind of look back and, and I think, it, you know, again, I think people kind of trick themselves into um, thinking like that there's only one model that has succeeded. Um, and again, I mean, of course, like, yeah, I mean, if you could have a all-star starting caliber, you know, shooting shooter guard wing guy to pair with Giannis rather than Chris Middleton, like, okay, like there are definitely better players that you could pair with Giannis than Chris Middleton. Um, but the reality is that you don't have one of those guys and you can't easily get one of those guys. And so, you know, this is the roster right now. And, um, you know, we can park what what the team building approach should be this summer. I think people know our general thoughts, but, um, you know, it can be revisited after the playoffs. But I think certainly when you look at where this <laughs> team is, um, you know, I, I think it's hard to make a compelling case that, that the Bucks have like some sort of structural disadvantage compared to, um, you know, certainly the other teams in the East, I think. Everybody has a structural disadvantage against the the uh, Warriors, um, especially yeah. if if Demarcus can come back and you know Boogie can be kind of some semblance of of the old Boogie by the time the playoffs come around. But um, but yeah, I mean you know again we've talked about it. I mean Giannis is better than Kawhi and Kyle Lowry is still really really good, has a huge impact on winning. But I mean he's not a superstar or something like that, right? He's kind of a fringish all star okay, still. Okay, just wait, just wait, just wait. Uh, since yeah. you brought up Kyle Lowry. Um, and I guess we're not even talking about the Bucks game because they were awesome and it was great. Yeah, DJ not much to say and about it. Was great. Like they were awesome. So um, I'm happy we went here. But uh, when Zach and uh, Howard did their podcast, you know, they're going through the Eastern Conference, comparing Bucks to teams and stuff like that, and they're like, you know, there's not going to be many years left of Kyle Lowry being an A plus player. And they said it, and I like double and triple took yeah i was like yeah and then they were like oh well Kawhi's an a plus plus player i was just like okay like we need we, there's some great inflation going on here <laughs> <laughs> like, because and again like i think chris lowry or excuse me i like i think kyle lowry as we talked about at the start of the year like when we ranked chris middleton like i'd probably put kyle lowry ahead of chris middleton but again it's just like okay like if if kyle lowry is an a plus then chris middleton is an a 
Like if you're using a grading scale where we're just putting pluses on the end of grade players, because then Giannis is an A plus plus if Kawhi is an A plus plus, like like or like Giannis is an A plus 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 plus, like like I just like as as they said triple A plus plus plus, you know what I mean? Like I just heard Kyle Lowry's an A plus, and I was like, wait, what? Like maybe, I, and, maybe and I like Kyle Lowry a lot. But like maybe, maybe they're using bond ratings. Sorry, that's a finance joke. Um, triple A, Giannis. Uh, yeah. But anyway, continue. But it it was just like really, I don't know. It was just weird to me to just kind of hear, uh, you know, like it, it, the the argument, like okay, there's there's no one else has such a big difference between like the the number one option and the number two option, and it was just like okay, maybe that's the case, but also the only reason you're saying that is because the number one option is so fucking good. Like the, the reason that gap is huge is because Giannis is awesome. Not because like Chris Middleton is a bum. Uh, like if, if Kyle Lauer, like that, that was like the thing I was really struggling with. Cause it's like, you go through the rest of the Eastern conference and it's like Sixers. Okay. One, two, and three on that team. You can say they're all better than the bucks two and threes. Like that's totally fine with me. But like the Celtics, like I like, Al Horford quite a bit. And I think he's better than Chris Middleton, but is he that much better than Chris Middleton? And how much better is Giannis than Kyrie? Uh, so like uh, that one seems to, I, I think in many ways, you know, kind of work out for the bucks. And then, you know, you, you head over uh, through the rest of the Eastern conference. I, and- I, on the, on the Celtics, I actually think it's interesting because I think like the way that a lot of their um, like, the, imp- the improvement and the appreciation we've seen in the value of the Bucks role players and supporting cast under Bud um, versus like the depreciation and a lot of the key guys for the Celtics, like in particular, like Jalen Brown, like going from a guy that, you know, people got really kind of enthused about and kind of maybe a little overly optimistic about how he could kind of contribute. And obviously Hayward not being able to kind of get back to at least not certainly not consistently kind of what, um, what he was pre-injury. Um, it, it feels like you can, and again, like um, I'm sure the national media would probably not agree with this just without really even thinking about it. Like it's just the idea of saying that the Bucks supporting cast around Giannis is pretty s- similar or equivalent to the Celtics supporting cast around Kyrie. Um, like that would have kind of been deemed ridiculous pr- before the season, but you know, the Celtics have obviously gone in the wrong direction the bucks have gone in the right direction in terms of that supporting cast and you know now i think especially when you look at um you know just the way that you know some of these younger guys have been making an impact off the bench and just the fit they've been providing um doesn't doesn't actually feel that ridiculous um mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting and obviously if if it's just a superstar battle then you know checkmate Giannis. Yeah, and like uh, I don't know, like all all the conversations through all this stuff have just been, I don't know, really fascinating to me because it's just like I I know that I watch the Bucks every night, and you know, um, you know, I I can kind of see how big of an impact players three through five are making or whatever it may be, and it's like, and I see all of Chris Middleton's boards, and then it's just like I, I don't watch every Celtics game, every Raptors game. Uh, every Sixers game, like I, I don't watch all their games, but you know, from what I see, it's just like, you know, I, I think Kyle Lowry has some pretty noticeable warts. And if we're going to talk about like 
not showing up in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry has that as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, in fairness he, to him, he has had some good performances the last couple of years. Like DeRozan had a lot. I think I believe DeRozan has been a lot worse than Lowry, but Lowry has also obviously had some very forgettable playoff series. And, you know, obviously both those guys have had some, let's just say they have not always risen to the occasion, but I, I would, I do, if I do recall correctly, Lowry's has not been nearly as bad as DeRozan, but anyway, just, Sure, but but it's just like, okay, if you're going to, you know, use all of these, you know, kind of um, qualifiers for the Bucks' success, it's just like, well, you know, maybe use some of them for the other player or like the other players and the other teams on this list. Like, it's just, I don't know, the the criteria used to judge the Bucks feels a little bit different than the criteria to like judge these other teams, but maybe that's just me. I obviously like I'm always kind of curious what other people think of the team um, from the outside, because obviously we're so deep in the forest um, that we have um, very, or at least what we think are very clear opinions of of kind of watching the team and thinking about the team. But um, you know, that's just something I've been thinking about. Like, you know, this Bucks team two through five is like really damn good. And I, I did a radio hit the other day in green Bay and, you know, someone had asked me uh, kind of the same question I think you had in your Reddit AMA and I had in my mailbag at the athletic, but it was just like, you know, like how do you prioritize the, the four free agents in the starting lineup? And, you know, we talked about, okay, well you have to think through like, who's going to get paid the most, who's going to get paid the least, like how does this all fit? And then, you know, you also have to think through on top of that, like, okay, that guy's not going to get paid as much, but do you still want to pay him that much? And okay, you need a number two. So does this like, so you think through, you know, all of these questions and like by the way it's amazing how little confidence i had as i was asked to do that i was like oh my god like it's really difficult because when you think about like i mean i i i mean i think there is i don't think it's like some um mistake that chris is clearly the guy who will be paid the most this summer um but when you factor in obviously like how expensive somebody's going to be then obviously that makes Chris, you know, I mean that again, like that, that's important. I think for me, I still had Chris first just because I think perception wise, especially like in the, you know, job one is to keep Giannis happy and keep Giannis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on track to sign his, his super max in 2020, you know, letting Middleton walk is kind of the ultimate, like, Oh crap. Like, is that, <laughs> is that like the turning point two years from now where we say that's where, you know, everything kind of turned in Giannis, like Giannis's perception of the franchise and its willingness, you know, to invest in, in this key guys, like went out the window. Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I think the other guys, like, I mean, Bledsoe has been probably the second most valuable player on this team this season. And, you know, like you can't just plug in, Brogdon at point guard and I think get the same value and you know Brogdon is the youngest guy but I don't know how much he like really <laughs> kind of changes the winning equation as much and Brooke is just sort of like the perfect role player and you know play, enables Giannis and Bledsoe and the kind of driving so much so yeah I mean it's like just you can I think you can make arguments for like all these guys in different ways which um, is kind of challenging um, when you think about like actually what the Bucks need to do this summer and how they actually are going to prioritize, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many phone calls they're going to have going on at, at 1201, which <laughs> obviously they're going to be talking to these guys because they're, 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 people talk to their agents. Well in advance. Yeah. Um, and I mean like Bledsoe and Middleton are extension eligible. So I mean, so technically they could be 
I mean, they could be signed now, but Middleton will want way more money than they can offer. And Bledsoe actually is interesting. Bobby Marks mentioned this in his like trade deadline preview. I mean, they could technically offer Bledsoe uh, up to, I think, like four years, 80 million or so. Um, so there's definitely like probably a sweet spot there mm-hmm. where maybe you don't want to pay him 20 million and maybe not four years, obviously. But um, there might actually be like a number that would be comparable to what he'd get in the summer that you could potentially do now. But um, I just get the impression that, especially with his playoff performance last year and his age and things like that, like, we're just going to see them kind of it's probably best it for all parties to wait. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, but obviously like, you know, by the same token, like technically they could sign both of those guys. Brooke, obviously the challenge is, you know, you don't have kind of traditional bird, you know, bird rights to sign him to whatever you want. So um, they'll need an exception to, or cap space to, to give him probably what he deserves. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's complicated, but yeah, like it, it is interesting. Like I just, when I answer the question and like, you know, I kind of tried to split it up to like, okay, here's, like the order in which I think they're going to get paid and, you know, who's going to get paid the most and who's going to get paid the least. And then on the other side, it was like, okay, you know, how do you balance all these things out? And it's just like, what makes this team so interesting is when Malcolm Brogdon is putting up a 50, 40, 90 season, that means you literally could not get more out of that spot. Yeah. Like, like there, there's the, no matter who you try to shove into it, like there, there's just not a way to get more out of that spot. Like unless you have, uh, like a fifty percent three point shooter. Like that's just like filling it. Or you know what I mean? Like uh, like a Kyle Korver type. Like maybe you could somehow get that value, but he's not going to be good at defense. Like for to get the defense that Brogdon gives you with a fifty forty ninety season with a little bit of playmaking. Like I don't know how you can get more out of that spot. You go to the center spot because Brook Lopez shoots threes and he's been very good on defense this year. Like. I don't think you can get more out of that spot. And then, you know, as you go up, like, it's like, okay, could you get more out of the number two spot? Yeah, probably. Like you could probably get more out of the number two spot, but then it's like, okay, if you do get more out of the number two spot, does that affect the three, four and five spots? And do you get less out of those? And then it's like the same thing with Bledsoe. Like could, could Bledsoe be improved? Yeah. Like he, he could always be better. And like I just the, the way in which this team is formed and the way in which this team will have to um, move going forward is just fascinating. And it's fascinating because this team is so damn good together. And like, you know, if, if there were, I think like larger holes you could poke in this team, it would be like, okay, well, you know, you can let this guy go or this doesn't matter. Or, but like every single thing, cause you know, that there's all, there's this concern about paying Middleton and it's just like, okay, don't pay Middleton. Well, if you don't pay Middleton, how are you going to get someone else? Okay. You probably can't. So you have to move everyone up the pecking order. It's like, do you think Eric Bledsoe does any better as a number two than a number three? I don't. Do you think Malcolm Brogdon does better as a three than a four slash five on the pecking order? No, like I don't think you're getting a 50, 40, 90 if that's the case, because uh, he's going to get defended by better wing players. And then it's like, okay, well, M- Middleton's not the guy. Keep Middleton there. Take Bledsoe out. And then it's like, well, you're going to get 50, 40, 90 out of Brogdon if you move him to point guard and move Sterling Brown into the shooting guard spot? No. Like it's not going to work that way. Like it's like, it's this strange house of cards. That's like more solid than a house of cards. I don't have a good uh, analogy. Maybe it's like a really solid Jenga board. Like there's like just large pieces of wood in there. But you know, if you take out one of those large pieces of wood, like the whole thing kind of comes crumbling down. And I don't know, like the, the last couple of weeks have just kind of, 
in some ways just crystallized all this where it's just like this is a really unique team it's really unique team building uh obviously it's all centered around Giannis, but you know from there it just gets it, it gets really interesting yeah i mean it, it almost feels like on any given night you know your best your second best player maybe middleton or you could argue it's bledsoe but like if i was going to guess on any given night who is going to be the second most important player from the Bucks, second most player second most important player from the bucks it wouldn't be whoever i think is the second best player it'd be basically like the field like it would be one of the other <laughs> you know yeah. three or four kind of key guys that um that on any given night is is doing you know generally big things and and it's challenging you know cuz you don't always know you know you generally don't always know for sure which of those guys is going to really pop up um and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, Lopez is going to be very matchup dependent. Um, and he's like the ultimate heat check guy. So, I mean, he's like probably the, in some ways, like the most volatile guy, especially offensively. But then that also kind of, you know, undercuts like the fact that just by standing 30 feet from the basket, he changes the way the defense has to play. And defensively, yeah. obviously, you know, especially unless he's like playing against a really small, you know, mobile five, like he should be a, a you know a plus guy there and you know if he's not then you just play him for a minute so yeah it's um it's a really interesting situation i mean i think it's it's a, a really interesting it's going to be a very interesting sort of just experiment just in team building and i think you know especially the east teams i think are all really interesting because um there's kind of subtle differences in all of them i mean toronto again is toronto and the bucks i think have a lot in common um boston kind of everybody just got so excited about their depth that that's the thing about Boston I, f- I find so interesting is that people just got so kind of drunk on their depth that they kind of just started that people, people who like otherwise would be like, Oh, you, you need three superstars or whatever, three stars. I feel like people just sort of glossed over like Boston, not having a transcendent player. Cause like, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much like outside of those Spurs teams that we talked about, like you need like a super duper star. Right. I mean, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I know the Pistons won that that one title and were really good, but you know, like kind of where things are now, like man, to win without a top five player is just feels kind of crazy. And yep. um, and obviously, you know, we'll we'll see kind of how that evolves and goes into the playoffs. But because um, they they are in, interesting, because I mean, Kyrie has been really good this year. He's definitely having his best year, I would say. And um, offensively, he can obviously be kind of like a late game guy in a way that you know, like a top five, it might, might kind of replicate a top five guy, but um, by the same token, it's like, do I trust that Kyrie is going to be the best player in a series against any of the, you know, East kind of elite teams other than, other than like Indy, which, you know, I don't know if they can really keep up where they've been. Um, You know, I'll take Giannis, Kawhi and, and Embiid over, over him, you know, in all those scenarios. I mean, you can even make the argument that, you know, I don't know, maybe not Simmons, but uh, but even Jimmy Butler because mm-hmm. his two way play could, could fit into that. But and I think it was it also in the Zach Lopod where they talked about kind of the limits of like the three star kind of approach and how you know like Philly sort of that and another interesting kind of experiment because obviously they just sort of bet the farm on having you know these three top twenty ish players and um, you know just if you don't have the depth around them if they don't fit well the personalities are tough um i mean you know again it's going to be it's going to be less than the kind of sum of its parts and i think that's you know sort of what we've seen so far we'll again see how buyout season goes see how the trade deadline goes um but the bucks obviously i think have you know like any really well coached team have the ability to be greater than the sum of their parts and i think the other pieces the individual parts start to look a lot better when again you've got really good coaching and 
kind of stuff just fits fits well around it's uh, one another yeah um man what a what a weird and wild trip this season has been um and i mean it's it's only halfway done but like these are the conversations we're having and you know we've there's been two games in the last 48 hours and yet we've had i think two of our most existential uh podcasts in the last week but you know like this is the stuff you, you know you kind of have to start thinking about when every little while the bucks all of a sudden have the best record in the league and you know they've had the best point differential for the entire season and the best net rating and um you know it's it's just really interesting stuff to think about but uh that that opportunity is afforded to us when the Bucks destroy uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, do you have the, what was the number before uh, they ruined it in garbage time? One hundred eight seventy-seven. Okay, one hundred eight seventy-seven. That's going to be the final score of this game, uh, not the <laughs> other one, uh, because that is what happened in this game. The Bucks destroyed the Memphis Grizzlies, um, and they did so through a third quarter with Eric Bledsoe. And DJ Wilson, no mistakes in that uh, in that statement. I, I did not make any errors in that sentence. Those two won the game for the Bucks tonight, and uh, I just can't imagine thinking of saying that um, two months ago. Uh, I can't imagine saying it four months ago, six months ago, eight months ago, twelve months ago. Um, all just kind of crazy things to to kind of think through as uh, this Bucks team just kind of keeps rolling. So that is going to be it for us for tonight. Bucks win, whatever the score Frank said it was, 108.78, something like that. 108.77, uh, 30 plus 31, back-to-back 30-plus night victories in our unofficial uh, book. Forget the plus 10 tonight. Um, and yeah, now a couple days off. Um, you know, they get to go down. Uh, the, this next game is in, is in Orlando, right? It's not. Yeah. A, it's not at home. Okay, so they get. I'm to curious go, uh, if they got a, if they're hanging out at Brooke Lopez's house. Yeah. Like, she does have a house by yeah. Disney. Like, I assume. I'm hoping there's lots of like Brooke Lopez Disney content coming to us in the next couple of days because if not, I feel like the Bucks have really failed us. Like, you know, Bucks social media, get on this. Like, I want to see, I want to see Brooke on Splash Mountain. Like, it needs to happen. There, there's no excuse. You have That's- the time. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and if people don't know, Brooke Lopez and his brother, they are big Disney fans. Uh, They grew up in California, uh, so I guess they went to Disneyland a lot. And then Brooke Lopez owns a house. I think it's on like the resort property in in Orlando, which is interesting because, reminder, he has never played for the Magic. (laughs) So um, (laughs) he has a house down there, so we'll see uh, if he has people over and then if the bucks lose then i guess we'll we'll on saturday we'll just have to um conclude that uh you know epcot uh fireworks slash uh epcot nights are undefeated and uh that that (laughs) disney nightlife just uh just keeping the bucks down (laughs) too many funnel cakes Uh, that that would be the problem um all right bucks win we had a lot of fun hopefully you guys had a lot of fun watching that game uh career night for dj wilson uh big night for eric or a big third quarter for Eric Blood. So Giannis scores 27 and puts up 11 rebounds in 22 minutes on the night, which is just bananas. Um, the big one, I will say this, what we can add on this, the Bucks, the the Bucks need to start a push to start using per 36 numbers um, because otherwise like the Bucks are just too good. They don't have close games. Harden is sitting here going to overtime against the, against the Nets shooting 50 times and, putting up these insane numbers and then losing to the nets and the bucks are out here 
destroying the Grizzlies and DJ Wilson is stealing Giannis's stats. So um, the Bucks got to find a way, you know, get it, get it on a, a permanent basis to, to try to even these things out a little bit. Yeah, certainly the, um, especially t- t- tonight, um, but yesterday as well, to some extent, because of the, you know, triple double numbers in 25 minutes. I think that, I think I saw that was like the fir- the, the fewest minutes required for a triple double in like a few years. Um Although, although Jokic did have that first half triple double, he ended up against the Bucks that a couple of years ago, he or last year maybe, um, he did actually play a bunch of minutes in that game. So as far as like guys finishing a game with very few minutes and having a triple double, I, I guess that was a, a landmark game for Giannis. But yeah, his his efficiency numbers, his per minute numbers, um, have been pretty tremendous. And uh, what the last twenty four hours, I guess he scored. Uh, 39 points in 47 minutes. And uh, what did he have? He had 10 rebounds last night, 11 tonight, 21 rebounds. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good at basketball. Frank Frank, and all the people who love Giannis stats, we, we got to have it both ways tonight. All right, that's going to be it for us for tonight. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.